set your sail for the orange and blue sea. Can you tell us a little bit about what it was like scoring 18 in front of a packed State Farm Center against a team that your father played for? It felt great, you know. I know my daddy never did nothing like that, so it was amazing. I'm already knowing I'm doing something right. But just to be here in front of all the fans, all my family, it was amazing. I really got the family atmosphere from it. I love Illinois. Thank you so much, Trey, and congratulations. Go celebrate. ILL, baby. Welcome to the Java Men podcast presented by Big Banter. This is uh, Java Jubes, and we have uh, Java Spin, Java Etch, and we have a special guest, Java Woobs, who will be our Marquette correspondent for the day. We want to kick this off by going over our last game against Eastern. Spin, you want to take that away? Yeah. Thanks, Jubes. Welcome, Woobs. Three things before the season that were, you know, in our focus were free throws, three-pointers, and point guard. Don't need to dig into the Eastern Illinois game, you know, too much, but just in picking out the box score. And by the way, it was hard to even watch the game. Um, probably not that many people saw it, but free throws, <laughs> really bad. Started out from three-pointers really poorly. And they had 12 turnovers. So the issues with this team were, I think, you know, on display. It didn't, didn't matter in, in this game. But, you know, you th- th- those are what they need to um, figure out. Turnovers, you can probably, you know, work your way, you know, up to, to doing better on that front. I think they'll be able to shoot the three fine. Um, after having watched Domask and some of those guys play against Kansas in, in Q, like they can – they they have some shot makers on the team, but the free throws just don't, like if you if you can't hit free throws, you can't you don't really all of a sudden get better at them. Um, so I just I I don't know what they're going to do with the free throws, and they're going to have to play matchups later in the game. The announcers are even talking about against Kansas, like would well, you take Ty out of the game late and because he can't shoot free throws? But I I don't see how they fix that, and it's a problem. And watching Baylor last night, if you got any of you guys caught. Um, that game against Auburn that they won late. Uh, that game was the, sick. Who was the point guard Illinois was after? Ray J. That ended up Ray J. So at the end of the game, Ray J. Basically gets a couple buckets to put them up, and he's just he's just great from the line and just seals the game. And I'm like, oh, that guy's really good, and he can hit free throws. And Illinois just doesn't, you know, they can't do it from the free throw line. So what they were what fifty? They were fifty two percent from the line. In the first 12. half, thirty percent. Second, yeah, half. they shot twelve of twenty-three from the line, so they shot fifty-two percent. And I just think you're going to see a lot of those stat lines, and that's going to lose you some close games. But um, not surprising. Eighty-two, fifty-two. They uh, they barely covered. We had a few Java men who uh, just squeezed by on the line there. At you, were you able to watch? And do you have do you have any thoughts on on the game and or uh, Big Ten Network Plus in general? Yeah, first my um, commendations to Big Ten Plus for letting the public see the game from like a 1980s style camera (laughs) and then A++ on the commentary. 
First of all, it would it would be so hard to do play by play or in game analysis. So you know, it, I couldn't do it, but um, neither could those guys, which which is a problem when they're the ones doing it. So um, yeah, the the, fir- the first month of the season is going to be a grind to view the game through those cameras and with with that commentary going on but um that's my first comment and then yeah the game was fine um the the thing that stuck out to me was and um was that Coleman played 14 minutes he didn't make a field goal he made one of two free throws and he had one point um he he just was not into it and I thought that Coleman at the end of the year last year was starting to take on like a more of an alpha role. I thought the same thing two years ago. And then we get into this year and Coleman's kind of running back the same slow start kind of floating around, um, which I hate because at the beginning of last year, I said that Coleman was the key to this whole thing and, He's still in 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 my mind. Him and Ty and TJ are the keys. Um, but yeah, so that was the most concerning thing. I don't think it's a concern in the long game, but um, that's kind of what I took away from the Eastern game. Just good to get get a win and get some action and um, get out of it. He played okay against Kansas, though, right? Doesn't that matter more? Definitely. Yeah, he the first two or three possessions that he had, he did that thing where he got the the ball like 23 feet out at the top of the key and did a pump fake. And then usually you, you know what kind of game Coleman's going to have cuz he would just shoot it if he's going to have a good game. But he did a pump fake and then I think two possessions in a row he drove and I think he had two turnovers. Um, and then Brad just like took him out and I, I heard he was like arguing with Tim Anderson on the sidelines. <laughs> so he needs to figure that out because we got Marquette coming up and if he's not going to be, if he's going to be up and down like he was last year, I don't know how he can like take that step that we need. And also I don't know, and maybe Woobs has some thoughts on this too, but I don't know how he's an NBA player at all. If he is like this. And he can't even dribble to the basket um, and without, you know, having a turnover. I mean, he, he basically would just need to be a stand in the corner guy um, on offense in the NBA. Otherwise, I don't really see, you know, a path for him there right now. Well, we but. do have Jalen Brown in the Celtics who just got $60 million a year and can't dribble. So I don't know if that's the, the <laughs> necessary qualifier. But, yeah, I mean... If, if Coleman is going to be any good, he needs to be like a Draymond Green type where he brings energy, is a connector on offense, and plays hard defense. And from what I've seen, he, he can do that in spurts, but it's very inconsistent. Yeah. The other, well, he came they, back. What was his feedback from the draft? Uh, that he needs to shoot more, and he needs to make better decisions, basically. I d- I don't know why he pump fakes. It just doesn't make sense to me. No. And that that's if he just shot the ball, he he's actually a good shooter. Yeah, he's he got a great to, stroke. <laughs> Nobody can you're at 6'10, you can't get blocked out there. You don't need to pump fake. 
So he's not going and dunking. Just let it fly. So not not to make too much out of the first game of the year against Eastern Illinois, but those three keys, Spinny, that you went over the the free throws, three points. I forgot the other one. Um, and then the Coleman turnovers, the turnovers, and then seeing Coleman play. You know, making the same sorts of bad plays that he makes when he's not playing well. I I don't get it. Like what? Aren't they supposed to get better? Like work on that stuff? What what is that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I I'm sure and I have my thoughts on Brad, but I'm sure and Etch does as well. Um I'm sure they're telling him to shoot it. I don't think there's any scenario where they're telling him to pump fake and drive and, you know, try to try to do something in the lane like he's a point guard. So I think it's just him not being confident in a shot for whatever reason, or just thinking he can do something that he can't because he's playing against Eastern Illinois. The other big thing from, I mean, I think we'll just need to see if he kind of bounces back against kind of real competition, but yeah. The other big thing from this game that I took away is like Shannon is awesome. If he is not awesome in a game, who is going to be that next person to step up? Last year, it was uh, Matthew John Mayer Meyer monster. This year, I think there's less people on the team who can take guys off the dribble and kind of take over a game. Draven Gibbs Lawhorn had 18 points. And I think if he wasn't on the team, I don't even know if they would have been like winning at halftime to be honest with you. But is the question is like, is he going to be that person? Is it going to vary by game? But I think he has the skill set to do it, but he's a freshman and he's probably going to be inconsistent. I mean, he shot 70%. He was two of five from three. I mean, he played he played very well. It was against like lower competition, but I, I just wonder if if a team is taking away Shannon, who who's gonna be that guy? And are, is it gonna be consistent or are we just gonna is it just kind of be gonna be a game of musical chairs there? So any thoughts on Draven? I think he's a really good athlete. Yeah, I think it's a good point, Jubes. I, hopefully, this team has enough shooting around. Like, ju- I, I think the floor of this team is better than what it was last year. I'd, if, if Damask, Guerrier, Hawkins can shoot, then hopefully they don't need, you know, another, another like microwave score like Draven was in the first game, but. I think he could. He could definitely. He, he reminded re, reminds me a little bit of like Reggie Jackson. He could just come in and like fill it up. But he was, um, yeah. Hopefully they don't have to rely on him to do that. But in order to rely on him, or not rely on a secondary, like off the dribble option, they have to make more than thirty, thirty or thirty one percent of their threes. Yeah, for sure. Will, yeah, there there will be games where Gibbs blows up and and plays incredible like this but there's going to be some games where he just really struggles and brad won't be able to put him on the floor at all and in that scenario you have i think 
to your point, a, a roster that can move the ball much better than they, their teams have been able to in the past. Like it's been last year was pretty stale and you'd rely on Mayer if Shannon wasn't going and Mayer would need to just bomb it or do some type of crazy shot, but he was really doing it on his own and there was not a lot of flow to the offense. The way they moved the ball against Kansas, it looks like this team can make extra passes and move the ball and get people open shots to the point where you don't need an individual to to drive that and they could spread it around a little bit more. At least that's what they showed against against Kansas. And I would throw Harmon into that group of guys you mentioned, Jubes, where collectively they should be able to produce. Yeah. Yeah, Har- Harmon didn't do a ton this game, but I think he I think he does have it. It's just again, you know, can he do it consistently? So we also got Moretti in for a few minutes. I wonder if he's gonna play big big role in like meaningful real games, but I guess we'll see. So let's do a quick captain and plank for this one, and then we'll uh get to the to the next segment on a, a certain sophomore redshirting, which was very weird. So Etch, do you I'll take, spin I'll take you a captain. I'll take a captain. I'll take uh uh, Luke Goody is the captain because <laughs> I got it. I couldn't watch the game. I didn't have Big Ten Plus, but I got a text saying that I'm pretty from somebody won't name him. I'm uh, pretty much done with Luke Goody. I was like, <laughs> oh, what's wrong? I was like, what's wrong with Goody? And by the time I looked at the box score, he was just draining threes. So props to Luke. Plank. Is that for me? Yeah. Uh, well, I know who you guys are going to take. So let me. Um, let me take somebody else. I'll take Dane. I don't know how he wouldn't dominate a team like that. <laughs> yeah, he only Go had ahead, 12 Edge. minutes, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, hey, I, I've been I've been saying that uh, repetitively, it's the only thing I can think of, is that th- this whole season is about, um, big picture-wise, is about, that Underwood is a good, maybe even elite program builder, <laughs> but he's a bad X's coach, especially in games. Um, failure to adjust would be the three letter tag that I, or three word tag that I put on him. But Undy has adjusted. It seems Dane didn't start. He played 12 minutes. I, I'd like Dane 12 15 minutes a game is great. I worry that Undy is going to revert to his um, lesser self and and rely more on or think he needs to rely more on Dane. But um, yeah, growth growth from Undy goes back to the thing I just can't stop repeating and thinking, which is um, Undy. So yeah, my 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 captain is uh, is is TSJ. Um, he had a kind of slow start, but um, talent is, you know, prevails. 16 points, five boards. Um, he, he's just so much bigger, faster, stronger than. He's the man. Yeah, anyone on EIU and in the Big Ten. So um, hopefully he can have that more through the full yeah, game he, instead of starting slow. But um, He's got to be the best athlete in the Big Ten. Yeah, no doubt. And then. My plank, I'm just gonna put Coleman with a one foot on the plank, not you know, not fully out there, not even not even beyond the 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 outside um of the ship. Like he's nowhere near the end of the plank, but come on, man. Like yeah. you're so you're so talented. 
you look so good shooting the ball when you shoot it. Do what do what you're good at instead of what you're bad at. So cool. I think he's gonna bounce. I think he's gonna bounce back. Jubes, who you got? For my captain, I'm going Draven Gibbs Lawhorn. I mean, first game, 19 minutes, 18 points, two turnovers, two, three assists. Pretty good stuff. And I mean, we we needed somebody like that, especially after um Epson. Well, Epson Sky, but really mostly Eps bounced. Um Plank, I'm gonna go with uh Sincere Harris. Uh he didn't play. <laughs> um and I'm not sure what's going on there, but I think we can move on to the next segment and uh kick wait it but, off with but, but before that nobody planked Ty Rogers, but his stat line is just really odd. <laughs> and maybe just because the game didn't matter, but he didn't play very much and he didn't have any assists. And yeah, he's it the seems starting like, point guard. It seems like Brad is going to start him at point guard and then see if he kind of gets going to the rim. And if he doesn't, he's probably just going to take him out and have like Damask or Shannon bring the ball up. And then I'll do the same thing in the second half and see if it works out. But yeah, I mean, he didn't play very much. And I, and I don't think he's going to play at the end of games, like to your point, because... You well, that sounds, like in, that sounds like in-game um, adjustment on the fly. Which would be thrilling, um, <laughs> but I'll hold my breath. And I think, I think you know, Luke Goody getting 19 minutes, Harmon or um, Draven getting 19 minutes, Nico getting 12 minutes, those, those numbers will come down a little bit, and those numbers, I think, will go to tie. Yeah, for sure. So, Sincere Harris... We found out after the game in Brad's press conference that the story is that Sincere Harris asked to redshirt this year. So, um, Atch, I want to kick it over to you for your thoughts, and then we'll go around the horn. Yeah, Yeah, Sincere Harris, sophomore, last year averaged 3.7 points, 2.1 rebounds, 1 assist, 0.8 steals per game. Bad shooter, 31% from three, which is actually not as bad as he seems, and 20%. From that was insane. Thirty-one percent um, was like the team average last year. So, right, right, so he's <laughs> right, right at the Illinois average. But um, he he catalyzed the win over UCLA in Vegas. Like they don't win that game without him shutting down Tiger Campbell. He played really well against Texas too, and he seemed like he was going to emerge as a team leader and a defensive role, energy guy. Seemed to have um, you know, Chester Frazier as his uh his promoter but after the game I mean, like he he only played seven minutes against KU and then 11 minutes in the other exhibition game um and he didn't play against Eastern I didn't even I, I noticed that he wasn't in the Eastern game but I didn't think anything of it like who knows maybe he had an injury or something and then yeah Undy dropped a bomb saying he was redshirting this year so Undy said in the press conference after the game, he's a really, really good player. Um, he think I think one of the things that he understands about his development is that he needs to get stronger. He needs to get bigger. It's come at a slower, little slower pace for him. That was weird. Like they, they have <laughs> they. I, I I hate that I can't name their strength and conditioning guy, but he's Fletch. Fletch is the elite of the elite. Like uh, they they put out guys changing their bodies. I mean, just just. In appearance, like you can see the difference. They work with the best strength and condition. I mean, he's got to be one of the best in the game. And so that was a very weird quote. Um, and Undy said, I think down the road, there's going to be 
instead of a 10-minute-a-game guy, there's going to be a 25-minute-a-game guy. We know he's a very, very good defender. There's going to be a guy who adds 15 pounds, 18 pounds. There's going to be a guy whose time will help and that year will pay off. Then I'm excited for him on the academic side as well and the opportunity to put himself in a great position to graduate and then do work beyond. Like, I could see Undy just getting on a roll of his platitudes. He kind of did the same thing with Sky last year when he took his leave of absence. In hindsight, it, it's clear that Sky was just a mess, and um, but Undy, you know, said all the right things. But it's really, really strange that Undy would invoke academics um, in in his announcement that he's redshirting. So after the game or later in the, that night on Monday night after the Eastern game and after Undy had made that announcement at the press conference, Sincere tweeted, thank you all for respecting my decision to redshirt for basketball. Your understanding and support mean the world to me. Knowing that you all respect and stand by this choice allows me to focus on my personal growth and development. What? Also be there for, for my team during this time. So that left me with one feeling, and that feeling was that something is going on. Um, <laughs> he was he was a good recruit, 96 nationally and number one in Ohio um, from from LeBron's high school. He was like a key player last year, and in certain ways, at least for culture, it seemed like seemed like a future leader. And then this year, it was pretty clear he would have a limited role in terms of like a basketball sense on this team that is much older. Um, veteran team deep. Um, so yeah, we're left to speculate. Like, is he going to transfer for personal reason? What was the invoking of academic issues? That's very weird. So that's what I was left with is something's going on. Um, and I don't, I think he's done at Illinois, but, um, just a weird way for the season to start. And like Undy kind of, it seemed like Undy lost the locker room with a team of a bunch of like misfits last year in terms of monster mayor meyer drinking a bunch of monsters <laughs> and staying up all night playing video games sky with his you know leaving a bunch of schools and then leaving illinois high and dry in the middle of the season Epps, same sort of issue just slow played um i don't think that sincere redshirting is that and i don't think there's much gravity to this but it is very very strange what do you guys think so I think you you there's so much to that and when I when I first heard it I, I I you know wanted to look at class half full and say oh well you know he's playing the long game and in NIL maybe he just wants to be a longer term player at the school and saving himself a year so that he can get 25 minutes next year is going to be best for him and I wanted to believe that but the more I think about it and all these things the first thing on that list the issue is you know he hasn't put on you know, the weight he needed to in order to like, he, he hasn't done that. You'd have to be blind to think that him putting on more weight has anything to do with his ability to be better on the court. What he's good at is being a good defender, which at his current weight, he's a really good defender. What he cannot do is shoot free throws, which has nothing to do with how much weight you have on you. What he cannot do is shoot a three-pointer, which has nothing to do with how much weight, you know, you have on you. So that's not what's holding him back. So for them to highlight that as like, what's holding him back from playing 25 minutes does not make sense. Whoops. I mean, you got to be able to shoot the ball when you're playing at a high level like this. So 
I think that's probably the first thing. Um, and then the second thing is he's kind of got no position. He's not a point guard. He's not a shooting guard. And if you're not either of those things and you can't shoot the ball, uh, that's a challenge. I didn't read any of this or know about this until the text messages today, so I can't speculate. But I just think, you know, agreeing with you guys, when there's smoke, there's fire in situations like this. I, I don't know if you guys remember at the beginning of the transfer transfer portal season um, this off season, but he announced that he was coming back on Twitter and then they like told him to take it down or something. If you guys remember that, maybe yeah. not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I think what happened is basically, and, and I'm, I'm actually proud of Brad for this because um, Sincere Harris is like a Brad Underwood player. Like he can't really play basketball right now, but he's like <laughs> really good at, you know, being tough and, you know, gritty and effort. And like Brad realized that, hey, you know, this like playing this type of guy 20 minutes a game right now is probably not going to get me very far. And he recruited a few guys over him and... I think I think the writing was kind of on the wall there, and I think I think if like Gibbs Lawhorn and maybe even Moretti, I mean I don't know how much Moretti will play, but either of them, like if they weren't able to take a step this year, like I think Harris probably wouldn't do that. But I mean Gibbs Lawhorn's been really good in practice, and I think from from what you know Brad said, so I think they kind of made him expendable, so to speak. I mean he he just he can't play half of the the game. He, he plays defense only, and yeah, he doesn't have a position. And the, the weird thing is, is like if he wants to be a 25-minute-a-game a guy going down the line, I mean, when has Brad ever, like, in this transfer portal era, when has he ever just been happy with his team and, like, kept guys on and just developed them? Like, he's just, next, next season, he's got, you know, a combo guard coming in. They're going after... Jeremy Fair's brother, Jeremiah Fair's in 20, 24 or 25. I mean, they've got <laughs> they've got a lot of guys that they already have on their team, and they're also going to recruit a bunch of guys, probably over the players they have. So I just don't I don't see necessarily yeah. like a path for him unless he like can really if he really develops an offensive game. And if he does in the off like during this year, he could I mean, he could be good if he sh- was able to shoot, but he's given no indication that he does. He does have he does have an offensive game. He can score on the break. He can get to the basket, but he can't hit an open shot and he can't hit a free throw. And if you can't fix that over the course, like working with this high level of coach over a year, I, I, it's unlikely that you fix it ever. And therefore, it's 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 sad to see. I was hoping he would fix that over the off season, but it's just, if you, it, it's really hard to fix if you haven't been able to fix it yet. Yeah. He, free throws, free throws, especially like you can either make them or you're not, but nobody really goes from 50% to 80%. You kind of are what you are when you've shot thousands and thousands of free throws. Yeah. You can't be like a 25 minute a game guard when like you can't play at the end of the game and handle the ball and get fouled, you know, like it just doesn't, doesn't work. Good summary though. Etch. I, I, I didn't see the part about the, school or the education like that's very interesting to insert there well and it's i i think the consensus here on the javaman 
um, podcast is that it's probably his limitations skill wise from an offensive standpoint that that makes the most sense. Most logical conclusion is that and that's probably it. But on the other hand, if he were academically in trouble, it would be like the the first player that I can remember who, after enrolling, had to sit out a year because of academic issues. Like that that might happen when you're trying to get into the school, but it doesn't happen after you've already enrolled. So that that's just a very weird. When Te- when Tevian Jones left, I think that there was an academic concern. Mm, good good point and great castaway. Um, <laughs> and then if yeah, all right, well yeah, I I think it's you know, a shame. It's a shame though. Like he he would help this team win games if it's an average ten minute a game guy. Like he will make plays to help you win. We saw him as a freshman win a couple games for them. And so they're they're gonna they're definitely gonna miss that, you know. Is he gonna be a twenty minute game, twenty minute a game guy this year? Obviously not, but he was gonna help the team, and so it's too bad. Yeah, and and I'm I have you know I'll put on my orange colored glasses and I'll I'll just take Undy at his word that it's about academics or it's about getting stronger, it's about score, whatever he said. Like I'll take Undy at his word, but I'm definitely putting this one. The um, below deck filing cabinet and saving it <laughs> in case there's a mutiny later on in the year, which there kind of was last year. I don't think this is this is what happened last year with the culture of the team just kind of going wayward. I don't think this is that team. I think there's a lot more veteran leadership. But if we get to you know January, February, March, and this team is you know doesn't have any of its sales up, then this is going to be exhibit A and where things went wrong. You know what's interesting? He said, you know, a potential 25-minute-a-game guy, like that's the end goal. That's not even like that good of a goal. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you, like that. that's just acknowledging mm-hmm. that you're not, you know, a, 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 like a firm starter on a team. Right. You should be getting 30 minutes if you're if, – if that's – so it's a very – it's all weird. He can't enter – I'm pretty sure he cannot enter the transfer portal until the end of the season. So if like he could stay with the team, um, if, if and they're saying that's the plan, but he, it's not like he can transfer to another team at this point anyway. So, well, I think everyone's rooting for sincere. For he's sure. Fun, he's, he's, he's fun to watch for sure. Yeah. Best, and of, last best thing, of luck. To sincere. Last thing I'll say on the topic is um, the last thing I'll say. The we we hope that we don't need that type of jolt. In I mean, I feel like we needed him in like ev- almost every game last year because we'd be down by like twenty points in the first ten minutes of the game. <laughs> you would hope. I mean, ser- like think about it. Purdue. That was yeah, that was the UCLA. game plan. Go down by go down by twenty. Put sincere <laughs> in and have him go nuts. Yeah. Arkansas. We, he, the, they did it against Purdue in the last game of the year when they started danger when they shouldn't have, and then they put him in. They did when Northwestern was kicking their ass at at when in uh, Champaign. They put him on Boo Booey and he couldn't do anything. But like, it, there were all times where they were like down by twenty points. So you would hope that a team that has you know a, a closing lineup that's older than five NBA teams um, starters would be able to kind of 
put it together early, but yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, we'll do a quick castaway here, um, just because it's the first game, first game for a lot of these guys of the year, and then we'll we'll get on to uh, the Oakland and more importantly the Marquette previews. So our boy Jaden Epps, um, Georgetown played Lemoyne. Anyone want to guess how many assists Epps had? <laughs> None. Yeah. I'll, I'll go with one. He had five points and 11 assists. What? Wow. That makes no sense. Isn't that crazy? What was the final score of that game? 94 to 57. So they, they, they smoked him. They smoked him. Um, but I, I was very, I don't even think, I mean, I don't think Epps had 11 assists on Illinois. No. And I, I don't have much to add because Jaden Epps broke my heart. <laughs> I, I was so high on him. I can't stay. I can't keep thinking about him or other, otherwise it's going to consume me. The, the job man would compare to, player. to the job man compared him to Frank Mason early on in the, uh, in his tenure. <laughs> um, our our favorite Louisville Cardinal um, played 32 minutes, mm. um, four of 11 field goals, uh, 11 points. Um, they barely they they barely beat UMBC. They won by one, um, 94-93. Sky Sky actually had a decent game. Um, he was a plus nine. So good job, Sky. You're getting your 30, 30, 35 minutes a game on a terrible team and we'll kind of see how that works out for you. Um, Illinois state Redbirds. Brandon Lieb started. Oh man. Nice. 17 minutes. Very nice. Three for four from the line. Oh boy. One for two from the three point line. What? (laughs) Two. He put up two threes. Oh my god! And he made one. Good for <laughs> he made Lieb. Fifty percent. Good for Lieb. Happy yeah. for him. I can I do Ray J Dennis as a castaway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He qualifies. Okay. Well, he he came he came up clutch against Auburn last night, and they got a really nice win. Um, Fifteen points, six to ten from the field. Didn't miss a free throw. Couple steals, but seven turnovers. Yeah, and those were all in the first half too. He he'll probably he'll probably figure it out, but yeah, that that was that was kind of odd. Well, the the part of the game I saw for him, he didn't do a whole lot, but he was he was in foul trouble, and I think they took him out for a while because he had four fouls. Um, he he looks like he's a really good player. <laughs> yeah, ja- did you see Jacoby Walter on Baylor? Is absolutely disgusting. He's he'll probably be like a top five pick in the NBA draft. Um, he always gets talent. Yeah. Last castaway, uh, Andre Curbelo at Southern Miss. Wow. He's still waiting for his waiver to be cleared to be able to play, so he did not play in their first game. <laughs> oh. Man, what a fall. Best of what luck. What a fall. Best, best of luck to the kid. All right, so we got two games coming up. 
We got Oakland on Friday at 7 p.m. Central on a Big Ten Network Plus. So I know we're all real excited for that one. Uh, and then we got Marquette coming up, I believe, on Tuesday at 7 p.m., both both in Champaign. So I'll quickly go over Oakland, um, and then we will we'll kick it over to Whoops for the Marquette preview. So Oakland actually played Ohio State um, already. They, they, they lost to Ohio State 79-73, so they were in the game the entire time. Um, Ohio State has a lot of their good players back, except for um, Sensabaugh. He's in the draft. They replaced Sensabaugh with uh, Michigan gopher Jamison Battle if uh, and Evan Mahaffey from Penn State. So they, they got a lot of their, their guys back. Um, they got Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale, Felix Akpara. So they're... they're it's not like they're a you know a team that's like trying to gel right now. Like they're they they've got their team and and uh, Oakland played them very close. They shot um, thirty five threes. One dude on Oakland, Jack Golkey, he was six for eighteen from the three point line, and and had eighteen points. So they chuck it. According to Bart Torvik, they're expected to be fifth in three points attempted this year. Um. So they're just going to be a run and gun and shoot threes team. And I think what I'm worried about against this team is like they're a little bit smaller, a um, little bit quicker. Chuck threes. Illinois might want to get into some sort of, you know, shootout with them where they chuck a bunch of threes. And I want them to drive to the basket and use their athleticism to beat them. And I, I hope that this team is able to do that. But. Not sure if anyone else has any thoughts on Oakland. No thoughts on Oakland. My only thought is that this is a classic trap game. Yeah. Just that that's the only thought. They got They're, they got Oakland on a Friday night, sleepy night in Champagne, and then Tuesday they're looking at big bad Marquette. Two thirty nine Ken Palm, so they're not they're not expected to be anything this year, according to the analytics, but I agree it it, it could be a trap game. And former Michigan State uh, Spartan Rocket Watts is on Oakland as well, if anyone remembers him. Um, A-plus a name. <laughs> All right. So then they got, Will, is Marquette number five? Number five Marquette on Tuesday night in champagne um marquette is ken palm 13 so they're slightly lower than the, the ap poll on ken palm but uh let's start with will get his thoughts on marquette and then we can uh do a prediction on that one we would hope Wait, that will, oakland will wouldn't. can i go can i go in front of you on marquette will yeah go for it and it's not it's not about the game, but I did see them play in person in February last year at the Pfizer versus Villanova. They are a juggernaut. They pulled up their stats from last year. They had five guys that started thirty six games out of their thirty six games. So they had the same starting five all year, which is incredible. Two of their their two guards are two of the best in the country, Cam Jones and Tyler Kolick. I think Cam Jones is better after watching them play that game versus Villanova because he was just electric but Kolick is you know player of the year and I think you know you look at the numbers and he's just 
a ridiculously talented player. His numbers are a little better than Cam Jones, but Cam Jones is is there. He's on a short list of players that can like win you a game offensively just by themselves. He, like it was incredible to watch them play against Villanova last year. Awesome, awesome um, team, and they have three of those guys back that started all those games last year. So it's just like they're they have all the experience. Awesome team, and they're going to be really, really tough to beat. They did lose a guy, I think, in the first round of the draft, the Frenchie from Quebec, uh, <laughs> Olivier Maxine Prosper. <laughs> yes, we did lose Prosper. Um, my Marquette friends know that I was not a big Prosper guy. He's one of those guys that flails around a lot, like, you know, those balloons outside of car dealerships. <laughs> uh, he, he was always falling. Um, he did have some big games. He was streaky from three, but I don't think we're going to lose a lot from losing him. Uh, your assessment on Kolick and Cam Jones is, is pretty accurate. Kolick is, he's more of like a glue guy than a star, but he's just like awesome as a glue guy. Like he obviously won co-biggies player of the year last year, but he's better at being an assist man, getting his team going scoring when we need him to, but he just connects the whole offense. Um, then the second player who kind of does that from the front line is Osui Godoro, who's our center. He's about 6'9", 225, 230 pounds. He's an awesome passer, so they actually play through him quite a bit, um, bringing him up into the high post for backdoors and uh, dribble handoffs to get their shooters going. And then Cam Jones is he's electric. He can start the game off four for four from three in the first. Three oh, so they minutes. have four. I didn't know Oso was back. So they have four of their five starters back. Yeah, Oso's back, uh, and Cam Jones will regularly just end the game within the first five minutes, hitting threes, getting steals, getting the team going, getting the energy up. So those are our, our big three, and then David Joplin, who's coming in, uh, taking the the reins from uh, Prosper. He's a three-point sniper. He shoots 40% from three. He kind of gets lazy on defense sometimes, but when he does that, Shaka just pulls him out because he has no patience for that. Um, and then kind of rounding out the, uh, the the starting five is Stevie Mitchell, who's a defensive stopper, kind of backup point guard, but gets the team going offensively. Then we have a bunch of guards coming off the bench. We actually have two four-star recruits, Trey Norman and Zay Lowry who came in this year, and then Sean Jones and Chase Ross are also guards that just hound you defensively. So we just have waves of, of guard talent. The way to beat Marquette is getting Oso in foul trouble because we don't really have a ton of size. Uh, backing up Oso is is Ben Gold and Legs, if you can get the gold member. I love gold soundbite here. <laughs> uh, that would be awesome. Welcome to 1975, Austin Powers and Faja. I love gold. Uh, he's this like seven foot Aussie guy who, who has floppy red hair. And I love him. I think he's great. He can make some plays off the dribble. But he's still not super strong. And he, gets, he get, got owned by a bunch of bigger dudes in the Big East. So we'll see how he does this year. But we have a super deep team. If you get Oso in foul trouble, we're in trouble. If you let us get hot from three, it's pretty tough. Uh, the way that I see this game going is Marquette likes to exploit the other team's weaknesses. And the fact that U of I doesn't really have a reliable ball handler. 
Um, I can see us pressing quite a bit, uh, just like we did when we beat Baylor last year at the beginning of the year, and making it really hard for them to get into their offense. Um, I'm not quite sure what U of I's offense really is, but Marquette will try to make sure that they, they stop them from getting into it. That's a really good team. That's going to be, even at home, that's going to be tough to beat an experienced team like that. And Spinny, as a White Sox, Bears, Bulls fan, I don't know what it's like to have a team that's supposed to be good. Uh, I don't even remember what that's <laughs> like. So it feels weird having like massive expectations around your, your team that you care about. So uh, I say everything that I just said, um, knocking on wood and hoping for the best uh, as, you know, as a fan, there's nothing worse than getting let down, ha- having big expectations. And I know Lags is listening, uh, probably drinking a glass of rum to the White Sox this year. Well, there, there's just no way this Marquette team is not a um, like a four seed or better in the tournament. Like that's that's probably their floor. They're just going to win so many games with having this team back. I agree. And watching that game versus Villanova last year, the Frenchie, like he's talented, but he didn't really impact the game at all. I understand why he's a good NBA prospect, but they have their entire team back. Each one of those guys should be better than last year. And last year they were phenomenal. Like you never get that where you have four good players from a top team. Now they underperformed in the tournament, so you probably don't really care where they seed or how they do this year. You probably just want them to get to the second weekend and hopefully hopefully better but like their floor is so March. high yeah the floor is so stay high healthy obviously and then i think number two is really see the development of the younger guys um last year when Kolek got in foul trouble and when cam jones wasn't going we had we had trouble scoring so we need more people to step up and be able to make plays that's the big thing and then i think you know you guys know and i know we got a lot of shaka fans on this podcast He's, he's defense first. So if you're not guarding, if you're not playing defense, you're not boxing out and making plays on the defensive end, he'll get someone in there who wants to. So I think that's the uh, the keys for Marquette this year. The, who Who is Kolek's comp? Like, who's a good comp for Kolek? I watched him play. I can't think of anyone that, like, he reminds me of, but he is just so solid in every everything. I was like, who is this guy? And he transferred in, right? He transferred in from, uh, I think it was Vermont. Um, he he plays kind of like Steve Nash. Uh, he's got a little bit more nice. of a more of a post nice. game than Steve Nash. He'll he'll actually bully some guys in the post, smaller point guards. He does that thing a lot where he'll dribble underneath the basket and then find uh, someone to kick it out to or a cutter. Um, so he's he's really looking to pass first. He's not trying to score unless you know the game dictates that. So. You know, obviously, Steve Nash is disgusting. He was so good. But, um, you know, that's kind of who Kolek plays like a little bit. There's not too many point guards like him these days. He Yeah, so just just so you guys know, he's 80% free throw. He's 40% from three. Mm. Uh, 13 points a game. Uh, four rebounds a game. And his um, assists, if I can find that, he moves he moves the ball for them. Uh he had 270 assists. I can't get a per game average, but he just he does everything well. He he kind of he plays with a like a nice pace, like kind of like he's not like the same player as Jalen Brunson, but like he's kind of got like that Andre. Yeah, he Miller, just controls Jalen Brunson like he's just you know, in control controlling of the, game. the game type of 
type of, of attitude. And I think like that really, I mean, I, I don't, I think Illinois is going to have trouble guarding him. The one, well, the one question I have is will, will the length of Illinois bother them? Because like Colek, Cam Jones, Stevie Mitchell, they're like Joplin. They're not, they're not super lengthy. Um, so I just wonder if like that will give them any trouble, but like, I, I think Oso and Hawkins is going to be a pretty good matchup too. Cam Jones is listed at six five. Whoops, that can't be right. Is no, it? he's six three. He looks more, more like six three. <laughs> he's listed okay, as six five. Yeah, I was like, that's not right. I am after listening to Whoops. Um, I am very, very, very excited for this matchup. It's like th- this could be a terrible matchup for Illinois. And it, they could but, lose by twenty. They could lose by twenty, but it could also be a terrible matchup for Marquette. Like yeah. TSJ, Coleman, um, Damask, um, Garrier, like that length is gonna be very interesting against these guards that are just gonna run around and around and around and around. All right. Whoops. Prediction. Both game what you expect the game line to be for Marquette and also who you think wins and by how much. I'm going to say the line will be Marquette minus five and a half. Holy crap. Wow. Is that too high? Yes. Okay. On the, on the road. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to jubes. Well, we should save jubes for last. The computer should have the final (laughs) word. Um, I have regular people guess before jubes. Um, so yeah, I think Marquette will be minus five and a half. And I think they would cover that just because we were, you know, we were talking about the matchup and if the length would be a problem for Marquette and, uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I think the teams that Marquette struggled with last year are the teams that got really hot from three. And I don't know if you of I can do that. I mean, TSJ, I've seen him, you know, hit nine threes in the game, but um, that's really the only guy who can get super hot from what I've seen. What about Luke Goody? (laughs) (laughs) There's, there's a certain shady, uh, Java shady on this podcast that thinks that Goody can be the guy, but I haven't seen it either. Um, Real quick on Goody, he shot five threes, made three of them last game. That is the ideal Luke Goody line. Like, just make two, yes. two to three threes a game, shoot five of them, and that you, know, you can be the captain. And Luke play guy. a total of 10 to 12 minutes. Jack yeah. your shots up. That That's it. Etch, <laughs> um, so, what's your line? Yeah, my, my line is, I, I was going to say five, but I'm a novice line maker. So I, I would say four and a half, Marquette. Um, and my head is saying that Marquette is going to win this game by, um, more than that. They're going to cover that. My heart is saying Illinois is going to, um, show us who they are this year and win by about 10. Um, so I'm going with the heart cause we're fans and, uh, Illinois is going to win by 10. Spent. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm the honorary. I'm the only, uh, loyalist representative here. Uh, Tory from the. From the peed. So, yeah, uh, it's uh, minus two Marquette for me. Uh, and look, Coleman's either going to come out and fuck around and they're going to be bad and 
and Shannon's either going to, you know, play a good game or they're going to get down 20 in the first half. Like was their issue, you know, last year, if those two guys come to play, I think, I think they can win very encouraged what they did versus Kansas, a really good team actually moving the ball around. They looked like a real team when they played Kansas. And I think with the experience, you can kind of expect that you shouldn't be surprised if they come out, move the ball and look like an actual team versus Marquette. So I think they can certainly, they can certainly win this game. Five and a half sounds like a lot to me. I would like, I would take uh Illinois on a five and a half line. I think computer. I what think do the algos have. I think <laughs> Illinois is going to be favored by a half a point. Wow. Yes, Jubes. Jubes. Um, Jubes. However, okay. I think that I think Marquette wins this one by six. Is my mm-hmm. prediction. I just think. And this kind of goes back to um, what I said, but um, I think Undy's a bad in-game coach. <laughs> <laughs> we know we know that you don't think you don't have to think that we know that. And I think that uh, I think that Shaka is a better coach than him, and I think that Shaka can push some buttons um, once he kind of gets in the groove of the game. And I don't know if uh, I don't know if Undy can. I think. The one thing that you can do, and whoops, correct me if I'm wrong, Michigan, the Michigan State game last year, who, by the way, they lost to James Madison um, in their first game of the season this year. Um, no Joey Hauser. I don't know if that is going to matter for them a lot. But anyway, um, they got Kolek into foul trouble, and he he didn't play a lot of that game. I think if you can get him into foul trouble, you've got a pretty good chance because I don't know if they have as, you know, as good of a f- facilitator. I mean, Cam Jones can do it, but not probably better than anyone on Illinois from the guard position, but not, yeah. not, not as good as Kolek. And then also like if he's out, you, you kind of have more, you know, younger guys and um, more defensive oriented guys um, out there. So I think if they can get him into foul trouble, I don't know if it's kind of trying to get him isoed on Ty Rogers and Ty Rogers can maybe, you know, go down the paint with him. I I don't know what, if they would even think of, of doing that or what the plan is. But if I were them, I'd try to get Kolak out of the game. Um, well, whoops. How fucked are they if Oso gets in foul trouble? Cause you list, you identified his foul trouble as like the biggest issue potentially. Yeah. I mean, as we know, like the, uh, the zebras are a huge part of college basketball, right? I know there's <laughs> the, the, a certain, the biggest. There's a certain Java man that remained unnamed <laughs> that I know he has very strong opinions on the zebras. Um, the thing is, I, yeah, I think Kolick and Oso getting in foul trouble is a big deal. I mean, those are two guys that facilitate the offense, play solid defense. So, yes, that is a big factor in the game. I think Oso getting in foul trouble was a bigger deal than Kolick. I do love Gold, as in Ben Gold, but I don't know if he's going to be a guy who can play 25 minutes and hang down low with with some of the guys, especially the Dancing Bear. Dancing Bear would just destroy him inside. Dang um, game. And that's where I'm going... And that's where I'm going, Jubes. Is this an opportunity for Brad? We're not even into Big Ten season yet for him to insert Dane as a sacrificial lamb and get the big guy in Marquette into foul trouble. Please. Do we see Dane in the starting lineup? 
I don't think we see him in the starting lineup because, well, if you were if you were a smart coach, you would say, "Hey, this this Oso guy can protect the rim pretty well. He's pretty. He's got some hops to him. Um, he can. He, he has a lot of block shots. Let's get him out of the paint. And let's let's have our guys, Shannon, you know, Rogers, go to work down low. I I would go that route if I were Brad, but. Again, you know, he didn't do that against Purdue when uh, Florida or what, 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 what was it? Was it Florida Dominion? Was that who it was? Who I think were playing them this year did that to Purdue um, <laughs> where they just. ODU? It was Fairly Fairly Dickinson. Dickinson. FDU? Yes, yes Fairly Dickinson. <laughs> um, they, they knew how to beat Purdue, and no one no one else knew, and, it was, and, and the blueprint was right there the whole time. Jubes, we just know we just know Dane's going to get heavy usage, and the drop coverage plan is going to come back. It just it, that's probably going to be when the Big Ten season yeah. starts. They're going to line up against Michigan State, and Brad's going to say, "Oh, we need some size." That if that but happens, it could happen. It could happen against Marquette. If that happens, if that happens against Marquette. The armory will be fully <laughs> empty because the muskets will be out, they'll be oiled, they'll be cleaned, and they'll be pointed. But Java Etch, what if Big Brain Brad comes out and he's setting himself up for later in the year, oh. like last year? If he's playing chess, you mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look, if if you know, you could you could uh, you could polish a turd any way you want. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be what a game though Tuesday. That's gonna be the game. Yeah, can't I think wait. it's on FS1, which is that's fine. I think that's what the Casey Jacobson crew. Um, but that'll be the game of the night. Do seven o'clock Tuesday? Do they get mark your calendar? Do they get Big Ten rest for that game, or is it, or is it gonna be a combo? Or how, I don't even I don't even know how that works. Um, we'll have to figure out what the Gavit Games <laughs> official rules are. Someone's got to text the uh, Java spy. I'm sure he knows. I am. Whoever's refing Jubes, I can promise you the spy is going to be displeased. <laughs> That's fair because I, I mean, Big East is a lot more free flowing basketball than than Big Ten. Um, Big East is going to be very good this year, so I, I'm happy they they get one of one of those teams early. All right, boys. Uh, Etch, I believe you had a question um, for the pod, and then we can close this out. Yeah, I got a question for Woobs. First of all, it's great having you on, Woobs, um, as the Marquette correspondent from north of the Cheddar Curtain, even though you're not north <laughs> of the Cheddar Curtain anymore. Um, my, I went to uh, St. Vider High School, lots of Marquette alums. I loved Marquette in high school um, and college. Love Marquette. So very excited for the game. But my obsession nowadays is the situation that I think Illinois is in with Undy. Um, the first thing I think about when I wake up in the morning is that Brad Underwood is a good, <laughs> maybe even elite program builder. He's he's built Illinois into probably the best or the second best Big Ten program during his tenure. 
On the other hand, Undy is an abysmal in-game coach. X's and O's, he's just bad at doing that. So there's <laughs> there's a balance between a, a head coach. On one scale or on one side of the, the balance, there's a program builder. Undy has all his eggs in that basket. He's getting great recruits. They're winning all these games in the regular season. They're winning a Big Ten tournament. And then on the other side of the scale, there's the X's and O's. And and that thing is just all the way down at, at the top. Well, I guess it's up at the top if you're looking at a scale because there's no weight in there for Undy. So um, it's, it is the first thing I think about when I wake up. I, <laughs> I, I, put, I, put my head on the, I put my head on the pillow at night, drifting off to sleep, and then I think of Undy and I stay up for, you know, 20 minutes, an hour, whatever it is, and I can't sleep because I'm thinking about that equation. Like if you had a graph, if you had a graph of on the y-axis, it was coach from zero to 10 of a y-axis was program builder. Undy would be all the way at the top. And if on the x-axis you had X's and O's coach and zero was at zero and 10 was at the other end, Undy would be at zero. It would just be a vertical line. <laughs> like the best program builder the worst in-game coach. And so we're in year seven of Undy, haven't been to the second weekend. There, There's a schism in the Javaman between those who are on the human centipede, um, admirers of Brad Underwood and what he's built the program into. Um, revenue is going... That's me. Spinny's there. Revenue is going gangbusters. Um, people are happy. Um and then on the other hand, there's the firing squad, which is up in arms because we haven't seen the second weekend. And I, I hate to keep bringing it up, but and I'll, I'll I just have to don't say don't do it. it, don't just don't do it. Loyola game, <laughs> I, I just have to say. So, so with all that being said, Woobs, you along with Dubes, Jubes, and Noobs have taken in a ton of Illinois basketball games over the years. You you took in a ton of Illinois games last year. I know you're not you know you're you're not necessarily you don't need to pick a side in this, but do you have a take? Would would you would you find yourself on the firing squad, or would your lips be sewn to someone else's uh, butt cheeks on the human centipede if you were an Illinois fan? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I think a, a podcast that you guys did a few weeks ago analyzing the highest paid coaches i just think the that kind of speaks for itself right brad is one of the is the top paid coach that's never made a final four was that the the finding i think or and sweet 16 or sweet 16 so these whoops you made it even worse man <laughs> i think i i agree with the the assessment that Brad is not good in-game. I think he's done a good job of bringing in talent. The Big Ten's extremely competitive in terms of, um, you know, transfer portal, recruiting. He's done a good job there. I would probably put myself more into the firing squad because, nice. you know, as you, as you watch Fuck U of yeah. I, you know, as a I, – I'm a, I'm a fan. I want you guys to, to win. Right, I, you can have more than one basketball team that you root for, and I think I want U of I to be good. And I don't know if Brad is 
the guy who's going to be able to make tactical decisions to like win games when you need to. Of course, you're going to have those games where you beat somebody you shouldn't, and you're going to have those games when you get destroyed against a team like Penn State three times in one season. <laughs> but I think generally my question would be, who who else can you get that would have this the pedigree of an Underwood and the cachet that he has, right? He's a big name. Um, Nobody. Yeah, that's my question. So I wouldn't like automatically be on the firing squad, but like if they could pull like a like what the Cubs did this just yesterday and be like, hey, we're firing our manager and hiring one on the same day, and they had somebody lined up, like that's what I would do. Otherwise, I don't know who else they can get that would replace him and be able to make it a seamless transition, which I know everybody would want. You don't want to go back to, to ground zero. What about well, Slime Miller? Oh man. Slime Slime is set though. Slime's all set. I don't think he wants I want I think he wants to be able to slime around <laughs> at Xavier. He's he's comfortable there. He can do what he wants. There look at Marquette. They got they lucked out because Wo, I mean Wojo was not winning a lot of games and there could not be a more perfect fit for Marquette than Chaka. Um and they so it's just right place, right time. So there there's nobody out there right now that would be both interested in coming to Illinois and like high enough, you know, caliber where the the fans would be excited. There's just nobody out there. It would take somebody like an up and coming coach, like a like a Illinois person, like if Roger Powell or for example were to become like a good head coach at a at a lower level team and then kind of like grow into that role but there's nobody out there right now that would be interested and is a high profile guy that would want to come to illinois so you are stuck etch like 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 a young bill self well jubes or whoops it sounds like the firing squad the proclivity to join the firing squad is genetic um (laughs) and and i so i'll just you know i'll put you in the bucket you have one foot in both buckets i'm firing one, squad adjacent you're firing squad adjacent but you are great you would be grateful and you would you would also say you should shut up and be grateful that you have coach undy on the sideline i i i think that's a fair assessment at this point i think but i, I also think so like, whoops whoops is coming around is is brad even on a lukewarm seat right now like no. if you were to look at it from a, a program perspective, there's no shot. No, but his I, job is look, in any sort of. He's not on a lukewarm opinion. seat, but I do believe that Josh Whitman is always thinking. Wait, um, I, I just don't think there's anything out there for him to really poke around on. I, but I do think he's. It would have thinking. to be a couple of disastrous seasons for Brad to get canned. Yeah, and we well, we already have one. Last year was a disaster. Well, uh, no, the the disaster is Loyola. I mean, it, you have you have two All Americans, run, runner up player of the year, um, and and you lose as a one seed to uh, Cam Crutwig and Braden. That Norris. is yeah, I was thinking, who was that guy's Crutwig? That's a catastrophe. Um, last year was look, look, Undy Undy has brought Illinois back to prominence, and and I've given him a lifetime contract. But I think if his if you know we're in year seven, or is this year eight? No, this is seven, and there's the COVID year. But he hasn't made the second weekend. If if there's two more years of that, he's on the hot seat. 
There's a uh, new segment next pod for dark horse potential Illini coach candidates <laughs> in the event that Undy does not improve the X's and O's side and does not get to the next weekend. There will be a segment on dark horse so, candidates. So, Usually those guys are like guys that like randomly get their team hot during the tournament. But because otherwise, John Gross. So you never, you never like see a coach come up. Shrews. Yeah, Shrews. The guy. Oh, I love uh, Shrews. Oh man, the guy I'd wake up so happy if we got Shrews. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys all think about it as much as I do. <laughs> what if, what if Cal says, "I've had enough with Gen Z." <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. Don't you, save it for the segment, Jubes. Don't you think that creates a pretty large domino? I'll, I'll I'll leave it at that. Well, boys, any any last thoughts? Yeah, my, my last thought is um, Moraz Johnson Underwood's building a good, maybe even elite program. Moraz, top recruit, I think on the same level or same ranking as Io. So. Um, on the on the side of the scale of program building, that that just adds more weight. Why can't he go the Brad Stevens route and just like elevate himself to GM, and then he can we can we can hire like a, an Exus and O's guy. <laughs> it's a good idea. Yeah, it's a good idea. Boys, I'm looking forward to, to Tuesday. It'll be a fun night. Jubes, Noobs, and I might get some wings. If anyone wants to join, <laughs> <laughs> open invite for the job event. Bird's nest. Buff Joe's. Bird's nest? Yeah, we're, we're think possibly bird, bird, bird's nest, yeah. Possibly. All right, boys. Damn, Lags, sounds good. Lags, I think right, you guys. need to play that clip uh, where the uh, Big Ten Plus guy says we're, he's on cloud nine right now to close, <laughs> <laughs> to close, to close this off. Um, all right, boys. Talk to you all later. ILO. I and I. Was Dre Gibbs Lawhorn, the Illini's leading scorer. Safe to say he's on cloud nine right now, folks. Back to you, George and Spencer. Yeah, it's time to walk the plank.